Welcome everyone to Dead Talk Live, Halloween style. My name is Viz from Walking Dead Now. I want to welcome all of our viewers. Like I said, I hope you're enjoying your Halloween evening. If you're joining us for the first time and want more information about our show, please visit us on the web at deadtalklive.com. If you haven't already done so, please also visit us on YouTube. Our channel's name is Walking Dead Now. Please go ahead and subscribe if you have yet to do so. And if you're there right now, please go ahead and hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast. And it's not just any old Halloween tonight. We are celebrating the 10-year anniversary when The Walking Dead premiered. October 31st, 2010. And I remember that day as if it was yesterday. I can't believe 10 years have gone by. This show has revolutionized television. And on behalf of all of us here, I want to wish The Walking Dead a very happy birthday today as it turns officially 10 years old. So let me say hello to some of you guys who are joining us. Let's see, we have Khaleesi with us, CC Wheezy, uh, Singer Chick is joining us, Skippy TV is with us, Rebecca Briggs, Lindsay Sparks is with us on Facebook, AJ is with us, saying 10 years, dang, yeah, 10 years. I know some of you guys are, you know, a little bit young and you don't even remember when the show premiered 10 years ago. A lot of the new generation has caught up to The Walking Dead through the beauty of binge-watching on Netflix and so on. And it's a real treat and honor to have you guys join something that has been a part of my life and a lot of the people's lives that I know for the last 10 years. And we are all, at the end, one big family. No matter what generation you're in, we're all, we are all Walking Dead fans and just happy that you guys are all here let me welcome some of our instagram viewers welcome to keiko uh Iqbal is with us uh let's see marie is moderating on instagram christina is waving at us legend is with us aaron is with us so welcome to all you guys on instagram youtube facebook and twitter i hope you guys got to watch our interview last night with matt mangum who played DJ on The Walking Dead, Savior Turned Alexandrian. If you missed it, you can go ahead and watch it on our YouTube channel, which is called Walking Dead Now, along with any of our other past episodes of Dead Talk Live. want to welcome Jason with us on uh, YouTube as well. Uh, so, sad news today, guys. Uh legendary screen actor sean connery passed away at the age of 90 uh very sad news uh to call sean connery a legend is sort of an understatement uh you know the original james bond and on behalf of all of us here at dead talk live we want to send our condolences to his friends and family it's just a sad day for all of us to lose uh sean connery what a wonderful, wonderful actor he was. And it was a treat watching him throughout the years on so many different movies, uh, well beyond just the James Bond, which really propelled his career. And it, I mean, the words can't describe 
uh, the kind of person Sean Connery was. And it's a loss for all of us today. And like I said, I, you know, on behalf of all of us here on Dead Talk Live, we send our condolences to his friends and family and loved ones. So, as you can imagine, today being the 10-year anniversary of The Walking Dead, a whole bunch of articles came out in uh, honor of that anniversary. And we're going to go through a few of them just to read off some of your comments. Summer Springer writes, loved Sean. Skippy TV writes, wow. Uh, Singer Check also says, absolutely loved Sean. There was never a 007 that could compare to him. He was uh, the original, you know, he was the original. And whether it was James Bond, one of my, you know, a movie that I loved him in was The Rock with Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery. I don't know if you guys ever seen The Rock. I love that movie. And I mean, the list of movies of Sean Connery's is like endless and they were all great. So it's a big loss for all of us today. Uh, Jason Byrne writes, absolutely a legend of many lifetimes. That he was, absolutely. So the first article we're going to do today, of course, we're going to be doing articles that uh, celebrate the 10-year anniversary of The Walking Dead. Uh, Greg Nicotero talks about his favorite moments over the last 10 years. Uh, He goes on to say, do I even have to answer that question? Of course, Halloween is my favorite holiday. The Walking Dead and Shudder's Creepshow series executive producer told Rotten Tomatoes, I know there's going to be a bunch of zombie heads on spikes in my front yard for sure. The zombie heads are easy. The spikes are harder for me because now I have to make them. But I got a bunch of zombie heads that I want to line up along the street outside of my house. <laughs> Trick or treaters, be on the lookout because the, as the co-founder of the Oscar and Emmy winning KNB Effects Group, uh, Special Effects Studios, Nicotero's lawn decorations of horror will obviously top anything that you can buy at Target, no doubt about that. In addition to more than 400 TV and movie projects he and KNB have worked on, since they were formed in 1988, Nicotero's handiwork is an integral part of the look of The Walking Dead, which has been a part of which he has been a part of since the show premiered Halloween 2010. In honor of the series' 10th anniversary, we talked to Nicotero about about how he was actually part of the series before it became the series thanks to his friendship with Frank Darabont, why he thinks the show's Western vibes are a big reason it propelled zombies into the mainstream, and how the upcoming spinoff with Carol and Daryl, um, played by his good friend Nick and Norman's restaurant partner Norman Reedus, has been building since season two. Wow. Nicotero also talks about the cast and crew's famously close relationships, including the only person he told about how nervous he was to direct his first episode, how The Walking Dead and Creepshow are dealing with filming 
during the pandemic and the very cool zombie idea he'd like to try out before The Walking Dead wraps after season 11. So, you know, just going through this article, uh, it's a Q&A type of article. The uh, interviewer asks, you're also working uh, on the additional Walking Dead season uh, episodes that will air next year. Nicotero says, yeah, the challenge is sort of getting out of one bubble and getting myself into another, then getting tested, then doing set work, and then tested again because you can't go from one set to the other without getting tested and put into another bubble. We're probably starting, uh, we're starting, we started prepping the Walking Dead stuff back in July, just sort of making adjustments in what we are doing for the show to allow for accelerated makeup times and easier applications and all kinds of scenarios. I was working on Walking Dead July, August, and September, and then in September we started shooting Creep Show again, so it's been kind of busy. Uh, has it forced you to make any storyline changes to either show? Greg goes on to say, the Walking Dead stuff is really intended to be these kinds of episodes that are a little more production friendly because you're dipping your toes in the water a little bit. With Creep Show, we're primarily at a stage show so we don't have to go out into the world very often. And that allows us to be a little bit more self-contained. Fortunately, not a lot of people kiss in either show, so we're not worrying too much about somebody kissing someone. It's definitely a change in the way that we are accustomed to doing things, but so far, so good. Uh, then to go on to ask him, is he directing any of the six remaining, what they're calling season 10 episodes? It's basically the, the six extra episodes that we're getting in the early part of next year, depending on who you ask, some people will clump them in with season 10, others will clump them in with season 11. To me, they're neither or, they're just six extra episodes. So he goes on to answer no. Originally, uh, showrunner Angela Kang had called and asked me if I wanted to, and unfortunately, because when the pandemic hit and everything shut down, Creepshow was set to start shooting. And we had prepped the first two episodes. I think in my head originally I was like, well, I can shoot Creepshow and then run over and do The Walking Dead. And then I thought, that's insane. I would literally die. Until January, I'm all the way up to my eyeballs in Creepshow. Halloween this year marks the 10th anniversary of The Walking Dead. Does it feel to you like it's been a decade? I always think of the show as all of you making an hour-long movie for TV every week. He goes on to say, yep, it feels like it's been a hundred years, honestly. Time has been very different, meaning you're on a show of this magnitude for this duration because there are some episodes I remember like when there were yesterday. And then there are other episodes that I'm like, I don't even remember that just because we've done so many episodes. 
even when I go to the studio and I'll stand on the back lot and be like, this is where the prison was. And then that's where the heaps were. And then, oh, this is the scene where they thought that Carol was dead and they put a grave in the prison field. There are numerous beautiful moments of the show and some of, and some of them got lost in the fact that we've been on for such a long time I kind of forget some of them. I just recently went back and rewatched Game of Thrones with my son, Devin, and there was so much stuff that I was able to appreciate about the show going back and seeing it after a little bit. You see, I never knew Greg Nicotero watched Game of Thrones. That's good to know. Um, I'm looking forward to doing that with The Walking Dead, going back to the beginning and really sort of looking at what the DNA of the show was then and the great scenes that were that we crafted and the great moments with Chandler Riggs and with Emily Kinney, Carl and Beth. There are so many people that you start uh, going back and thinking about what an amazing work they did. God bless Scott Wilson, who played Herschel, because I had some of the greatest moments of my career with Scott, I'll be forever grateful that I got a chance to be a part of his life. So there you guys have it. Uh, Greg Nicotero talking about Creep Show and the last 10 years of The Walking Dead. And, uh, you know, if you go back to October 5th when he was a guest on our show, uh, it was so nice of him to do that show for us. He was literally been up all day working on creep show just got home he was he had to be up at four o'clock in the morning the next day but you know he took the hour out of his day to sit with us uh stayed up late and we're so grateful to him for that uh it was the day after the season finale aired of the walking dead season 10 and it was a great interview that we had with him Tom Savini and Anthony Timpone. So, yeah, he works very hard. And to do what he does, you just, there's no other reason for it than you just have a passion and a love for what you do. And there's no doubt that Greg Nicotero has a true passion and a love for creating stuff. And he's, um, he's, he's a legend in his own right, right there. Um, AJ writes, Hey Viz, what do you think of the people who died on The Walking Dead coming back into the movies? Well, you know, I think it's great. It all depends on how they do it. Um, so I'm just looking through what you guys are saying. Lindsay Sparks writes, great article. Uh, such a great guy. Welcome to Toby on Facebook. Uh, let's see what's going on on uh instagram zachary saying happy halloween welcome zachary happy halloween to you too uh just looking over the instagram people we've got a bunch of new people that just joined in welcome to all you guys so the next thing on our list in regards to the 10-year anniversary is the inside of the making of the amc hit of course the walking dead 
uh, it's only right that a show as scary, gory, and traumatizing as The Walking Dead would have premiered on Halloween night. Sure enough, this October 31st marks the AMC's drama's 10th anniversary. So we're flashing back to our first bit of the show, the pilot called Days Gone By, developed by writer-director Frank Darabont of The Shawshank Redemption. The Walking Dead is a faithful adaptation of the Robert Kirkman comic series of the same name. Despite Kirkman's treasure trove of storytelling and Darabont's passion for the source material, though, The Walking Dead spent years in development hell before AMC reanimated the project in 2010. The origin of the TV show was me walking into a comic book shop in Burbank and seeing the first trade edition of the comic series, Darabont told Hitflix in 2010. It had been about five years ago, being that I've always had the love of zombie genre. I, of course, grabbed it, I took it home and read it, and I immediately started pursuing the rights to it. I thought it would make a great TV show. I loved what Kirkman was doing. I saw immediately what he was getting at, and I loved the idea of an extended, ongoing, serialized, dramatic presentation set in the zombie apocalypse. But getting my story to the small screen was no small feat, especially because NBC passed on the project early on. They were very excited about the idea of doing a zombie show until I handed them the zombie script where zombies were actually doing zombie shit. Darabont explained to reporters during a 2010 set visit, uh, so, so I don't know if you guys know the story. Uh, it's kind of famous. A lot of networks passed on The Walking Dead because it was to them too graphic it was they were not willing to take that risk nbc hbo and a whole bunch of other networks passed on it finally amc took the risk and they you know they took on the show and of course it was one of the greatest decisions they ever made uh but you know even amc was a little worried at first i believe they wanted the show wanted to do like 10 to 13 episodes for season one uh they you know amc did not want to do that many uh just because nobody knew how it would go and they finally settled on six episodes for the first season and the rest is history from there uh so you know good job to amc on taking the risk you no risk no reward and um i'm sure nbc hbo and all the all the rest of them that passed on the walking dead are kicking themselves right now as they should be uh it's one of those things where the network says oh yeah we want to stretch the envelope until they realize they're actually looking at a stretched envelope and then they go whoa let's not do csi some more 
I'm certainly not trying to rip them down, but they're a network, and we could never have done this show the way it needed to be done there. Frustrated, Darabont wandered away and directed his big screen adaptation of the Stephen King novel, The Mist, but he has always had The Walking Dead in the back of his mind. He told me early on, don't worry, man, I'm going to get this made. I really care about this. I really love it, Kirkman recalled in an interview with Pads and Panels, and you don't know a guy, you're from Kentucky, and you're meeting Hollywood people, and I'm like, yeah, all right, buddy, that's real nice of you to say, but I know how things work. You're probably just blowing smoke up my ass. But to Frank's credit, he never really steered me wrong. He's always come through on his promises. Along the way, veteran Hollywood producer Gail Ann Hurd joined the project. I heard about it, Hurd told reporters, during the set visit per Dread Central. When I first read the book, I thought this would be a great film, and boy was I wrong. It's a much better TV series. Fast forward, I knew that Frank had initially developed it for NBC, which to me seemed like an odd pairing for this. Then I heard it wasn't going forward at NBC, so I talked to Frank. And going back to NBC for a second, several years ago, NBC was the show that aired Hannibal. And it was on like 10 o'clock at night on Thursdays. And, uh, well, you could tell they learned from their mistake or they were trying to learn from their mistake and pushing away The Walking Dead because Hannibal, there were a lot of episodes of Hannibal, which is the backstory to uh, Hannibal Lecter uh, from Silence of the Lambs and so on, that were a lot gorier than anything we have seen on The Walking Dead. But it's The Walking Dead that started this trend uh, for all the gore that we now see on TV. It's just that NBC was a little bit late to the show. Finally, the project landed at AMC, a network known for its envelope pushing, and AMC Brass ordered a pilot in January 2010. The stuff that AMC is going to put on the air is crazy. Kirkman said during the set visit, they keep showing me things and I'm like, you're not doing that. They rip a horse open and there's just spaghetti coming out. The actually, they actually have things that you see. Darabont's script for the pilot impressed Kirkman with its fidelity to the printed page version of The Walking Dead. Reading the pilot was just a revelation Kirkman told reporters, it's extremely faithful. These are things that are so much like the comic, I can't really remember the nuance of what's different and what's not from the comic. John Bernthal was one of the first actors cast, landing the role of Shane Walsh at a time when elementary star Johnny Lee Miller was a reported frontrunner for the lead part of Rick Grimes. It was pilot season, and I read everything that was out there, Bernthal later told reporters. I still remember 
The day I got this script, I told my agent that I'd be thrilled to be an extra in this. It is so good. So some more backstory to The Walking Dead. Khaleesi writes, I loved Hannibal on NBC. I did too. I was really, uh, it's on It's on Netflix now. Uh, I'm really upset it got canceled. And actually, there's a reason why Hannibal got canceled. Uh, it's not because the show was doing badly or poorly in the ratings. The reason why Hannibal uh, could not proceed with the story is because I forget which studio owns the rights to Silence of the Lambs. They would not sell the rights to the Clarice Starling story, which was next coming up in the Hannibal TV show. So they couldn't proceed because they could not secure the rights to the Clarice Starling uh, storyline, which was where the show was heading next. They tried. They couldn't do it. The movie studio wouldn't give up the rights. And, of course, Hannibal got canceled. And what's going on now, there's a show that um, Michael Cudlitz is a part of being filmed up in Canada, I believe, called Clarice, which is the backstory to Clarice Starling. So, eventually, uh, the movie studio that did own the rights to Silence of the Lambs, reached a deal with another show, not Hannibal, to do the whole backstory of Clarice Starling. Anyway, that's why Hannibal could not proceed. Uh, not as much because of the ratings, but because uh, they could not secure the rights to the Clarice Starling storyline. So a little backstory there for any of you guys that might be interested in it. CC Reezy writes, how, how could HBO pass on The Walking Dead but have Game of Thrones? Talking about graphic. Well, you know, it all goes back to The Walking Dead and how it revolutionized uh, cable TV, premium cable, network television, that's why when everybody says that The Walking Dead is a revolutionary show is because of AMC and it's because of The Walking Dead and how they pushed the envelope and people loved it. People loved it. And, you know, the rest is literally history. Now everybody's trying to emulate what The Walking Dead did 10 years ago. Uh so, I don't know, you know, uh, hats off to AMC. That's all I can say. So, the next thing on our list is do not fear these secrets about The Walking Dead. Whether it feels as if the AMC horror drama about the ragtag band of fighters born of the zombie apocalypse just started haunting your dreams yesterday or if you really feel that a decade in your creaky bones and increasingly limited capacity for plot twists leading nowhere, there's no question that the show based on Robert Kirkman's comic book series Forever altered the TV landscape. And I'm glad that, I mean, it's no big secret on how The Walking Dead changed everything. And a lot of these articles are just referencing just what a monumental TV show it was because of that. 
akin to what the Game of Thrones did for dragons and medieval fantasy, The Walking Dead did for flesh-eating monsters. The show is at its roots a serious character drama about human behavior that just so happened to be unfolding against the hellscape of a United States that has been decimated by the undead. Though at this point, it's probably fated to have only uh, the one Golden Globe nomination for Best Drama Series it received in 2011 and one Emmy win for makeup as far as prestige recognition at its peak series, one of the most watched cable series ever, and it logged considerable time as millions of viewers' uh, TV obsession. And even though The Walking Dead brought in revolutionized TV, these awards, award shows, whether it be at the Golden Globes, the Emmys, whatnot, they still have to catch up with the times because they've been stiffing The Walking Dead for a long time, and it looks like it's not going to change. Uh, you know, whether it's a nomination or an actual Emmy or a Golden Globe, uh, they need to you know catch up with the times. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, and despite some plot missteps in recent years, turns out a double beloved character bludgeoning. My apologies, I couldn't hear. Sorry about that. That was Siri. <laughs> anyway, despite some plot missteps in recent years, turns out a double beloved character bludgeoning isn't for everyone. It still has a chance to go out with a satisfying bang when its 11th and final season premieres next year and the second half of that 11th season concludes in 2022. Because, of course... Uh, since premiering on October 31st, 2010, The Walking Dead has proved a prestigious stomping ground for its sprawling cast, launching standout Danae Guerrera into Marvel Cinematic Universe and turning Norman Reedus into a beer-swilling motorcycle-riding sex symbol. He denied, however, a report that he was set to sign a $20 million deal following Andrew Lincoln's exit. And it's been the subject of endless conversation fodder as it's veered between just a right amount of upsetting and way too dark, fascinating, violent, and come on, man, really? But for all its lumbering toward the finish line as audiences have fled for the streaming hills, it's remained the most watched cable series even with half the audience from its heydays 15 million viewers a week peak during season five so in your case your halloween plans aren't all they're cracked up to be this year for reasons that at times can feel even scarier than a zombie apocalypse spend part of the walking dead's 10th anniversary brushing up on the secrets of this team of scrappy warriors and their fiercely resilient show um the creative team behind the walking dead certainly felt they had a great show on their hands but they had no idea just how many people would warmly embrace 
their Chilling Horror series, which kicked off one of the show's more obvious heroes, Andrew Lincoln's Rick Grimes, waking up from a coma and shooting a little kid in bunny slippers. It's okay, she was a zombie. Its premiered season averaged 5.2 million viewers a week. And for a premiere season, that those numbers are crazy. That's a phenomenal. Honestly, I think they went up because of your uh, cover article. Executive producer Gail Ann Hur told Entertainment Weekly in December 2010. When you think about it, it's still genre. And a lot of people might think, well, it's a zombie show. It's not for me. But we found that it has a broader appeal than initial expectations. Lincoln, a British actor at the time, best known for his way with flashcards in Love Actually, also shared his pleasant surprise with EW that year. I got an email outlining the project, he recalled. The first thing I read was AMC. I went, great, I've been waiting for an AMC opportunity. Then it said The Walking Dead. Terrific title, then the names Frank Darabont, Gail Ann Hurd. Great. And then it said zombie survival horror. I think I actually did a literal double take. I was like, really? <laughs> it's as dirty as it looks. Sure, it's all make-believe, but the actors and crew really are spending long days and nights fending off mosquitoes, inclement weather, and that steamy southern humidity in order to get the job done. It's a tough job, Norman Reedus, who uh, turns as unlikely warrior Daryl Dixon, turned the actor into a bona fide sex symbol, told Rolling Stone in 2013, we are out here running, getting bruised with the heat and the bugs, We've had people come do the show and half through, they're like, F this. It's 120 degrees outside. Added Lincoln, there is something in me that's definitely masochistic. If I didn't feel it's true, the crew understands and keeps and goes, keep rolling. Location, location, location. There was no gussying up Vancouver to look like uh, America South for this show. Rather, the Walking Dead cast and crew have become fixtures in Atlanta, Sonoya, Georgia, and surrounding environments over the past decade. Locals can get the chills anytime they want. Filling up at the gas station on Cascade Palmetto Highway where Rick shot the little zombie girl in the season premiere driving past Rick's old house from before times on Cherokee Avenue, or strolling up to the Cobb Energy Center, which stood in for the exterior of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The actual CDC, about 15 miles away, its on-screen stand-in has only been used in one film, Contagion. Fittingly, since the movie Contagion is about a virus. Uh, Heavy on the CGI 
and Collier Metals on Windsor Street isn't usually full of bodies, so you're good. Lonesome Road. No trains run alongside Freedom Parkway, which stood in for Atlanta's Interstate 85, so the derailed cars along the side of the road, as Rick makes his way through the desolate capital, are creative license. But few things are eerier than no people in a space that's supposed to be packed with human beings. So there you guys have it. They listed off a whole bunch of locations in the Atlanta, Sonoya area uh, where some famous scenes took place over the last 10 years on The Walking Dead. Uh, Lindsay Sparks writes, I now have seasons one to five of Fear the Walking Dead, so Marathon of Fear very soon, I think. Um, Lindsay also says, I've been a fan of The Walking Dead since day one. Um, so, anyway, let's see what's going on on Instagram. Goldie Singh is giving us a smiley love face, saying love from India. Welcome, Goldie Singh. Uh, Token is also with us on Instagram. Um, as is this, the sarcastic guy who says, sir, he wants a job on The Walking Dead. Oh, well, you got to talk to the right people. Uh, and I'm not the one to talk to you about getting a job on The Walking Dead. Uh, so, Furcon is also giving us smiley love faces. Munam is giving us smiley love faces. Welcome, Adriana is waving at us on Instagram. Uh, Furcon is saying hello. So, welcome to all you guys on Instagram. So, let's see. We're moving on now to a different thing. We've covered uh, pretty much a lot in regards to the 10-year anniversary. Let's talk a little bit about fear, okay? This story is about Fear the Walking Dead star warns Sherry's return means, quote, crazy shit's about to happen, okay? <laughs> so, it starts off by saying, get your shitting pants on, Austin Emilio says, crazy shit's about to happen. Now that Dwight and his wife are reunited on Fear the Walking Dead, Season 6 episode Alaska ended with the long-missing Sherry, played by Christine Evangelista, first appearance since a 2016 episode of The Walking Dead. But the couple's happy reunion might be short-lived. Dwight escaped Negan, only to be subjugated by Virginia and her pioneers. A spooked Virginia is assembling an army led by Ranger Victor Strand to combat the mounting threat tied to cryptic messages spray-painted on a beachhead submarine and a city building literally crawling with bubonic plague-carrying rats. You'll see these lives, these lives, these two pieces of a puzzle of a puzzle that don't really fit together. Amelia told uh, Emilio told Decider about what's next for Dwight and Sherry, or one piece of the puzzle's been folded up and water's gotten on it, and you're trying to force it in. It's going to be different. It's not going to be what they thought it was going to be. Emilio's comments come after co-stars 
Lenny James and Karen David, who played Morgan and Grace, respectively, warn viewers to brace themselves for a very dark sixth season. There's going to be too much fear for you to handle, James said during a virtual Walking Dead family hangout this past summer. It gets dark this season. Uh, added David, who has yet to appear this season. We are definitely going to the dark side. Very, very dark. So just brace yourselves. It's going to be quite the emo coaster. Taking the characters to dark places signals changes for the group of survivors, mostly split up, spread out across Virginia's western settlements, including Alicia and Daniel. When you consider this universe, for me to say we're going dark, it must be something pretty serious, James said. We're pretty much going there. No one is going to be the same at the end of this season. Questions about Sherry's absence from The Walking Dead will come in. Uh, the episode, it will come in the episode that they're calling Honey, the episode of Fear the Walking Dead airing November 8th. And there we'll meet who Evangelista calls Sherry 2.0. She's somebody that is definitely more assertive and strong and tough. And she is on a mission. I call her Sherry 2.0. Evangelista told Insider. Everything that's happened to her in her life. All of the pain that she's endured. The loss. The abuse that she went through. Especially with Negan. And then ultimately not having any closure. From what the whole experience. Because she had to flee. She never ended up seeing what happened. And she never got to see really any of the light at all her ex-husband did. She continued, Dwight's character really did see the fall of that empire in a way she did not. She's really carrying all those experiences and it's been really heavy. And you'll be seeing how that has changed her as a woman. It's hardened her in a way and you will see her struggle to sort of fight against all of that. So no big surprise there. Uh, we knew that we're not going to get to see the same Sherry. She left The Walking Dead in season seven. She has been out there traveling. We know that she's somewhere in Texas right now, as is Dwight and everybody else on fear. So what her journey has changed her into but I guarantee you she's going to be a lot tougher. I think she's going to be a badass. Uh, let's just see how her and Dwight mesh. Because they are not the same people that got married. Uh, they're two completely different people. Remember, when she left Dwight, Dwight was still very much loyal to Negan. And that's why she didn't leave with him. Uh, she probably feared that he might have even turned her in. I, I'm guessing... But uh, she fled and she left on her own and never looked back. We do know that she left behind a whole bunch of clues. Uh, if he was to ever go out and search for her. And they finally ended up together in this last episode of Fear. And the new episode of Fear is on tomorrow. So can't wait to see that. Because we've had three episodes of Fear of the Walking Dead so far. And they have all been just phenomenal. 
this season is just on a completely new level in regards to Fear of the Walking Dead. Uh, Jason Byrne writes, I got into The Walking Dead after about season five or six, after a recommendation from my best friend, and binge watched it to catch up, and ended up ending up watching from season seven till season ten when it aired. Khaleesi writes, I got into it going on season four. I binged seasons one through three. People kept telling me to watch. And it was more than a zombie show, so I gave in, and so glad that I did. And as I've said many times before, guys, the zombies are not the main thing about The Walking Dead. They're just a backdrop to the apocalypse, okay? It's a drama. In my opinion, yeah, there's a lot of gore, there's a lot of blood, and it's disturbing and traumatic, absolutely. But at its core... I categorize The Walking Dead as a drama. You want to call it a horror drama? Fine. It's a horror drama. But for me, at its core, it's a drama. It's all about the people and how do people react when the world comes to an end. Those who are left, how do they treat each other? How does civilization try to rebuild itself? That's what The Walking Dead is about to me. So... Let's move on uh, to our topic for tonight. We're just going to slightly touch on some of the sacrifices, uh, people that have sacrificed themselves on The Walking Dead in order to save other uh, members of the cast. And you can't start anywhere else but with T-Dog. T-Dog got bit in Season 3 with when the walkers got into the prison. Uh, and he... He knew he was going to die because he was obviously bit, but he saved his last uh, efforts into saving Carol, and uh, he ended up dying a very horrible death. He got bit once. He led Carol to safety, and if you remember his words as he was leading her to safety that he's in God's hands now, and he's perfectly fine with that. He saved her life. And he uh, he ended up getting eaten alive by more walkers. And then, of course, we have Oscar. Also, uh, he was a prisoner in season three of The Walking Dead, the first half of it. He became a very trusted member of the prison group. And he died trying to help uh, in the rescue attempt of Maggie and Glenn from Woodbury and the clutches of the governor. He was helping Glenn um, to the top of a bus, and he got shot. He got shot. It was chaos. They were in the middle of a firefight. And if you guys remember that scene very clearly, uh, Oscar could have been saved. Rick had a clear shot to take down the person who shot Oscar, but uh, Rick hallucinated that person being shamed. And it could not have happened at a worse time. He, Rick and everybody else is in the middle of a firefight. Rick sees Shane uh, coming towards him with a gun. It's really uh, one of uh, the governor's men. Rick could have taken him out before he shot Oscar, but he didn't. And Oscar paid the price for that. And uh, we also have Milton. 
Milton was also a, resi a resident of Woodbury. He was one of the governor's most trusted allies, the scientist. Uh, while he doesn't get a lot of credit or glory, his short-lived act of, hero of heroism is worth mentioning. If you all remember, the governor had Andrea locked up in his little torture chamber. Milton dropped a pair of pliers on the ground on purpose for Andrea. The governor then hands Milton a knife and orders him to kill Andrea if he wants to get, if he wants to get out of that room alive. In what was probably his first and last act of heroism, Milton makes an attempt to kill the governor, but his efforts are futile and he is quickly overpowered. Now, in my opinion, the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate heroic death on The Walking Dead has to go to Sasha and what she did. That is a legitimate sacrifice. She was captured by the saviors, by Negan. She was put in a coffin. She was being led back to Alexandria. She knew full well that Negan was going to use her as a bargaining chip uh, against Rick and the rest of the people at Alexandria. And instead of having her be used as a pawn in Negan's game, she takes the uh, ricin pill that uh, Eugene made. And she kills herself. While she's in that coffin, and by the time Negan goes to open up the coffin to show them his big surprise, well, he got the big surprise, because out comes Walker Sasha. And uh, so, to me, that is by far number one on my list. If we're mentioning uh, people that have sacrificed themselves for others on The Walking Dead, so, Sonequa's uh, Sasha is number one for me. And what she did, there's nothing that even comes uh, close to a, a second. Um, Khaleesi writes, the walker that you find yourself pulling for. That's true, Khaleesi. Sasha probably is the one walker when she gets out of that coffin and goes after Negan that in the Walking Dead history, you probably find yourself is the one walker that you're rooting to get the best of when it comes to a living person. Uh, Jason writes, the rewatch, I have to just, I have just got to that episode where Mika was killed by her sister, Lizzie. I forgot how shocking that was. Lindsay Sparks writes, I, I agree with you, Viz, 100% about Sasha. Cece Weezy writes, Jim got bit, helped fighting that horde that came through the Atlanta camp. He did. He, uh, he tried to save Amy, but it was too late. Amy was already bit. Amy was bit by a walker that was played by Greg Nicotero. Uh, Jim got bit. Uh, Andrew Rothenberg, who was a guest on our show. So I would definitely put him on the list of heroes. Uh, but he was scared. Uh, he wanted to hide his bite the next day. He was in denial about what was going to happen to him. But in the end, he even went out more as a hero. when, uh, As they were traveling to the CDC to potentially see if there was some kind of cure there for him. He knew he wasn't going to make it, and 
he asks them to leave him by the side of the road. And that's the last time we see good old Jim. So let's see who else we have on the list here. Shiva. Can't forget about Shiva, our favorite CGI tiger, and how Shiva sacrificed herself to save the king in their crossing of that swamp full of walkers. And then we have Tobin in Season 8, Episode 13. Uh, you can call him sort of a short-term love interest of Carol's. Those two had a good chemistry together. But he died when the saviors attacked Hilltop with those, in, well, primarily he was Simon. Uh, Negan never would have done that move, and he was really pissed at Simon for doing it. But Simon went ahead and proceeded with Negan's plan on attacking Hilltop with the walker-infested arrows. And a little outbreak, mini-outbreak of walkers in the middle of the night at a hilltop, and I believe Tobin was the one of the first ones that got sick, died, and reanimate. And that's when, uh, while everybody was sleeping at the hilltop, they had a little walker outbreak in the middle of the night. Uh, Khaleesi writes, I cried over Shiva. Um, Summer writes, Jackie straight out ratted Jim out. Yes, yes, she did. Yeah, she did. He, uh, she saw the blood on his shirt, and uh, she did tell everybody else that he was bit, which needed to be told. Uh, let's see. Jesus, you can call his death. He was out there on a mission. He was the leader of Hilltop. Uh, remember, Tara was telling him that he would, he's going to have to stop going out on runs. He needs to stay behind at Hilltop. But he went out. After Eugene and Rosita first encountered the Whisperers, and they were trying to figure out why are these walkers acting so funny. And what breaks my heart over Jesus' death is that his last thought before he left the Walking Dead universe and died was, holy shit, I just got stabbed by a walker. And he never got to find out the real reason why. Or who actually killed him. That's what breaks my heart the most. Over. Uh, well one of the things. That breaks my heart over Jesus' death. I love the character of Jesus. Um, on Instagram. People are saying Maggie. Well Maggie's still very much alive. Uh, Maggie's very much alive. Uh, on Instagram. We also see is Rick showing up. In the last episode of World Beyond. No he's not. Rick Grimes is not showing up in World Beyond, guys. Okay? Anyone can go in and edit IMDb. Someone did it as a joke. It passed through the IMDb filters. That's how his name ended up in the season finale. Rick Grimes is not coming to World Beyond. So please forget that idea. That was somebody who uh, managed to get something through on IMDb. Uh, let's see, who else do we have? Ozzy, the leader of the Highwayman. Uh, he was first introduced in Season 9. Carol persuaded him to provide safe passage to the people coming to the Kingdom Fair by offering them to watch a movie for the first time. And that's all that it took. Laura, Lindsley Register, died defending Alexandria and she was tossed around like a sack of potatoes 
by Beta basically breaking her neck up against the jail cell in Alexandria. She went out protecting Alexandria. You could definitely call her death a sacrifice uh, for the good of the community. Uh, very sad to see her go. We also have Gamma, the Whisperer turned uh, against Alpha because she realized Alpha was telling them nothing but lies about how civilization is, how uh, Alpha lied to her about killing uh, Lydia. Gamma totally turned on uh, Alpha and uh, her death. She sacrificed herself getting Alden and her, uh, her baby nephew to safety inside that van. She led the walkers away. And then, of course, Beta caught up to her and killed her. He killed her. And then, of course, Earl uh, in the Battle of Hilltop against the Whisperers. Earl, um, he's the one that led the kids to safety. He got bit in that battle. He led them to safety. Uh, he told Judith, showed Judith the bite mark, and he knew what he had to do. Did not quite pull it off successfully. It was left up to Judith to put him down. So anyway, guys, we are out of time. But there is one more person to mention as a hero's death on The Walking Dead. And that is Isaac from Fear the Walking Dead, season premiere of season six. Our guest here last week, Michael Abbott Jr., Isaac, sacrificed himself to save his uh, wife, at that point unborn child, to get Morgan to them so he can keep his wife safe. So that's a hero's death in my book. Absolutely. Thank you so much, guys, for joining me tonight. Remember, tomorrow is Sunday, Walking Dead Sunday. Dead Talk Live will not be on the air tomorrow night. We'll be back on the air again Monday. I want everyone to enjoy the rest of your Halloween. Please visit our website, deadtalklive.com, to see all of our guests and our prior guests and our upcoming guests. Go to our YouTube channel, Walking Dead Now. Please go ahead and subscribe if you have yet to do so. If you're there right now, it's appreciated if you guys hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast. Uh, like I said, guys, enjoy your Halloween. Stay safe. And remember to always, always stay walking. Good night.